Hello, and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Scott Interante, and joining me, as always, co-producer Catherine Moore. Catherine, how's it going? It's going great, Scott. We just finished up Thanksgiving, so it's officially Christmas music season. Probably has (laughs) been Christmas music season for you for a lot longer, but officially, officially, we're there. Yes. Now it's no shame Christmas music season. (laughs) Although I am in Mexico and it's about 90 degrees, so it's a little bit hard to get into the Christmas music spirit. But yeah, I am down here visiting my mom who lives in Zihuatanejo. So Chloe and I are here for the week, enjoying the sun and the sand. We rode horses today. Yeah, we're getting snow up here in Wisconsin. Oh, jeez. It's the first like snow of the season. But I mean, honestly, like... There's no better time for it to happen than now. It's just like reminds you of what we're going into. So, yeah, I I don't know, though. I think like the Christmas spirit is is starting here. I think people are getting into it a little earlier than maybe usual. So it feels happy going into the into the December cold here. I wonder. I don't know if this is actually true, but it feels to me like more new artists are putting out Christmas music this I year. I agree. Maybe it's just because last year it wasn't people like cared as much about, but well, okay, let's let's just get yeah, into it. Yeah, let's That's get into it, here, right? <laughs> so Leve has been releasing so much almost too much Christmas music. Not too much. She only has <laughs> not an too EP. Much, not too much. She only has an EP right. and two songs with Nora Jones. So honestly, in my opinion, she could put out a whole album and I'd be very happy yeah, with it. Absolutely. And it's all great. But then of course, the goat, Matt Rogers. Have you heard of Christmas? Oh, I was like, which goat are you talking about? Because you also recently told (laughs) our group chat that Sabrina Carpenter might be the best pop star Uh, ever, and she put out an EP. So, you know, like, there's there's a lot of people. And I think, to your point earlier, I think it's people that you and I personally and, like, our friends care about more so this year than in previous years. So I think it does feel really uh, the high volume of things this year. It's, um, it's intense, but it's really fun. It's, like, nice to have different takes on Christmas music besides just listening to Tis the Damn Season for, you know, the third year in a row. Yeah, so. well, which is great. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so to go back to Sabrina Carpenter, all the songs are great. But the Christmas version of Nonsense is so Am I good. crazier? Didn't she put that out last year and now she's like finally doing an EP around it? I thought like oh, I'd heard that it before. Might, that might be true. I may have just totally missed it. Okay. But either way, I'm so glad that it is here. I love the chorus is, it feels so good. I need that Charles <laughs> Dickens. I mean, her lyricism <laughs> is like like second to yeah. none, and I'm not being sarcastic about that. I just would, I also want her to create a Christmas version of Feather, and that would make my life complete because oh, yeah. Feather I've been obsessed with for the past few weeks. It's just been like nonstop, but Nonsense is still also like just a perfect song. So love that there's a Christmas version yeah, of it. Yeah, so true. There's also the new Ali and AJ mm-hmm. Christmas songs, including an updated version of The Greatest Time of Year. Oh. Their Christmas song from back in the day. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Sisters, which I've literally never heard covered, but it's from my first or second favorite Christmas film, White Christmas. And oh, yeah. I just love, like, they're obviously the perfect people to do a cover of Sisters, but totally. I don't think I've ever heard it covered before by, like, modern pop stars. So I'm, like, really happy with that as well. Yeah. So good. There's also Samara Joy and, I don't know, so many other people. I really should have written a list down, but so much good Christmas music out there. Hey, 
Let us know what your favorite new Christmas song is. I don't know. I kind of cut you off before when we were talking about Matt Rogers, but I think he deserves like 20 seconds of our time oh, yeah, to say absolutely. that his album is very good and he's just a very cool person. I'm so happy that he's getting some of the recognition for how funny his music sometimes is. Yeah, I mean, the title track is exactly my sense of humor. It just, this, it plays on a loop in my head when he says, Have you heard of Christmas? It's when Moses did the lake. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, it's so funny. Matt, come on the show. Yeah, I love the, um, the Rockefeller Center that's like, I mean, this is an office building. People work here. Like, I see Jimmy Fallon because, yeah, because he works here. He works, and yeah. um, they had a really funny bit on last week's Les Culturistas with Seth Meyers about that song and just like talking about Seth is like, I'm so happy you just called it for what it is. And it's said it's an office building because. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very funny. Okay. Enough about Christmas music, though. Who is our guest today? Yeah, we had Gatlin on the pod, and as we talked about a couple weeks ago when you saw her, she's such a cool Mm -hmm. pop artist that is also like singer-songwriter and, and, you know, different kind of genres all blended in, and she was such a cool guest to have on the podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to connect with her. Yeah, and just such a delight. A delightful person. So I think we should just get right into it, right? Let's do it. Gatlin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is exciting and fun. So you just released a new EP. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what brought you to making this kind of music? Yeah. So it's definitely like the biggest project I've put out, seven songs. Mm-hmm. And it's been a second since I've released like kind of a body of work. And this is definitely the first time I'm like, okay, it's like kind of almost an album. <laughs> you know, it just, it is able to like, take you through a whole story and I was able to have a theme and visuals and 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 so it was just like a new form of like artistry I think I felt afterwards oh I have nothing left in me like <laughs> I need to go take a break like I put every piece of me into this and I've never felt that way before yeah. so it was it was very exciting to have it come out well and I have to ask because the EP is titled uh, I sleep fine now which I feel very jealous of. Are you sleeping fine now? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a it's a metaphor, Good. Scott. <laughs> but <laughs> but at my actual sleep schedule, you know, for a while there, I was getting it on lock, but no, we're back to I I have insomnia nights, pretty pretty yeah. bad. But um, yeah, my sleep I take a lot of melatonin. So <laughs> how how long has this EP been coming to fruition? Obviously, you've probably been working on some of these things for while but like when do you feel like it started building into this yeah I think standstill's kind of the only outlier I wrote that song maybe like two and a half years ago with another song of mine 2000 miles I wrote those around the same time Mm -hmm. and then everything else was kind of in the last year and a half I finished writing the last song December of last year the whole first half of this year was all visuals and putting them out and planning and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and obviously we love the way it turned out. 
I'm wondering why you think it has taken you until now to put together a more mm. complete body of work. Do you feel like you were spending that time, you know, exploring different sounds and styles until you landed on something that you really felt good about or, or you know, you were honing your songwriting craft? Why is now the right time? I think it's come with age and confidence in myself that now I just, I know more who I am, what I want, what I like, mm -hmm. all of these things. I think before when I was younger, releasing music or like stepping into the industry, I think I was, it was a lot of self-discovery. And, and now I'm like, okay, I know what I want. I know what I want these things to sound like. It's still pretty roller coaster the process, but there's a lot more like less breakdowns. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. easier to like, I can write, seven plus songs that all tell a similar story and fit together and kind of that vibe. Yeah. And I know at, at some point in this process, you, I believe, moved from Nashville to LA, mm -hmm. right? It's, do you feel like that has sort of changed your approach to songwriting? Yeah. This is the first project. All of the songs I wrote while I lived in LA. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just cool. I think you can hear that. I think you can hear the California twinge now in these songs and, and a, a kind of a canyon vintage feel, but you can still hear the Nashville and you can still hear how I grew up like listening to country music. And I don't know, I think it it is fun now living in three places in my life, how I feel like you can hear kind of bits and pieces of all of that. Yeah, well, that's a perfect transition because I wanted to go back to when you were younger and growing up. And one of my favorite lyrics on the EP is, you know, you really diss Florida, which is where you grew up. And move to Florida. Who the fuck moves to Florida? You only go there to retire and wait for heaven. Have you given up at 27? I'm curious to hear more about like, uh, not not about that. You don't have to diss Florida here. <laughs> but um, what were you listening to? Like that first really stuck out to you as something that connected in a way, you know, more than just listening to it on the radio or something. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Florida, so that lyric definitely for me it means like giving up on your dreams, essentially, like giving up, thrown in the towel, like moving back to Florida. <laughs> At least for me, that's that's what that would yeah. represent. And so right, this right, person right. I'm in the relationship moves to Florida. I'm like, who the fuck moves to Florida? But anyways, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I grew up in Florida and, you know, my parents are not creative people. They are business owners, but my dad just has always loved, love, love, love music. So there was always constantly music in the house. And so I don't, I don't really remember like a first time because it just, that was our bonding Thing. I was allowed to stay up late at night if dad and I were listening to music in his office. So I just, yeah, I always remember like my mom just laughing at us being like, oh, you two are so funny. And, but I do remember, I remember um, <laughs> the Gwen Stefani album, Love Angel Music Baby Lamp. We mm. were in like the pool area. There was like a screened in back area and we would just dance for like, three hours oh yeah, my, yeah me and my siblings and my dad and my mom would watch and i just yeah i remember that being the first album that i was like this is what it means to be a cool girl which i it's still true yeah. it's still true still, to this yeah. day that is an incredible album <laughs> yeah 
Wow. So when did you start writing songs or having an inclination of wanting to pursue music? As kids, my sister and I were always performing for everyone. I was the oldest, the oldest daughter, um, oldest female cousin. So I was just like constantly needing attention and putting on shows and writing songs as a kid. But I think the first time I like had my high school boyfriend heartbreak, I was 15. And that's when I Mm. really started writing songs and would, you know, put them out on iTunes. And yeah, (laughs) they are, they were swiftly taken down once I went to music school, but (laughs) they were up there for a while. But yeah, I think entering high school, I was always like academics, academics, academics. And then I was like, wait, I'm miserable. I want to do music. And my parents were just like 100% supportive. That's awesome. So yeah, I would say 15 was when I was like, this yeah. is it. And what what were you listening to around that time? Like if mm. we could unearth those old songs, you know, what would they sound like? It was very, very sad. <laughs> it was very, very, very sad. <laughs> I was listening, I guess, to a lot of indie and folk singer-songwriter vibes, a lot of like British sad Mm, indie music, like Daughter and Lucy Rose and Gabrielle Applin and City in Color and just like sad Mm. shit. (laughs) I had a lot of feelings. Yeah, well, thinking about now, you know, what are you listening to now? Are you still able to uh, explore new music as a fan and find things that you love or, or... because you're releasing music, do you find it hard sometimes to engage with what other artists are doing? I feel like for a while there, I could only listen to old music. I think it's a lot easier. It's nostalgic, you know, with the pandemic and everything. It's just showing like everyone's just wanting to listen to Christmas music and old music. And I think that's like very, <laughs> very accurate to me. And I think it's just easier for me not to then play the comparison game when I'm listening to old music. But then I kind of got over that and am very much in the, oh, I know I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy kind of thing. So now I, I listen to my peers' music or, or artists that are out right now who are killing it and I just get like inspired. And I'm, I watched that Laurel Canyon documentary about how all oh, of yeah. them just took things from each other and learned from each other. And and I think now being in California and starting to have like a community of writers and, and artists that I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so talented. I, I definitely like learn a lot from them. So yeah, I I have my friend's music I love a lot. Victoria Bigelow, Jack Van Cleef, Gwendolyn, Chaperone. Mm-hmm. I think like the big, the big sparkly musicians and uh, artists really do it for me. <laughs> I am a Swifty forever and always. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, us too. Good. So I'd be interested to hear how playing shows and getting feedback from the audience on the songs that you play influences or changes your songwriting and makes you think differently about the way that you write your songs. Yeah. I definitely got out of like Sad Indie Girl with just a guitar when I started playing shows because I was like oh wait I love being on stage and I love having a lot of energy on stage like that's my thing I like to jump around and dance and make it be feel like a big party (laughs) so I was like okay that's how that kind of started transitioning into starting to love pop music and then the last few tours I've done getting to open for 
amazing artists. Most of the time, most of the people in that room don't know who I am and they always tend to respond. You know, they respond really well to my one song masterclass. And I'm like, okay, why is this the one that always people just love? And I love playing it and I feel empowered and all of these things. And I think, so yeah, it's definitely influenced my music in leaning a lot heavier on like actual instruments yeah. and yeah. loving that aspect and starting to be like, do I want to make kind of some rock music a little bit, you know? And and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of yeah. freaking love this. Like, I love the feeling of empowerment I have when I'm playing it live. But then I also love dancing around like a little fairy child. So I think, you know, just mm-hmm. the live show feeling like a roller coaster and having a lot of different range, I think, has also been really fun. And I'm like, okay, I want to make all kinds of different music that, you know, has a through line, but maybe it's elicits lots of different emotions and feelings. Yeah. Well, okay. With all of that in mind, Gatlin, what is the song that makes you scream? This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, Joni Mitchell, both sides now, a hundred percent. I've looked at love from both sides now, from give and take, and still somehow we. For those keeping score, Joni Mitchell is the only artist who's been selected more than once on our podcast, and this is actually the third. So she's really wow. racking up the Whoa, points because here. she's she's unreal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that the evidence yeah. is in, right? The third different song, everyone had a different pick. So I'm curious though to hear about your mm. relationship to this song. You know, maybe when you heard it for the first time, if the Joni Mitchell was even the the version that you heard the first time, and why it's so important to you. I first, this is so cheesy of me, but I first saw it in Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The scene where Emma Thompson realizes her husband is cheating on her. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. And I'm sitting there as like a 18, 19 year old girl. And I'm like sobbing my eyes out relating to this woman in her 40s or 50s. And I'm just like, oh, that is heartbreak. I don't know. I think I really, I've always romanticized heartbreak. Mm. Most of my songs are about heartbreak. And I think just seeing that and having that song in that moment, I was like, that is the biggest, most visual example I've ever had of heartbreak. I also just love that she wrote it at 23. And then, you know, there's a re-release of it when she's an older woman and just like being able to look back. And then, you know, there's a Newport Folk Festival video that I watch all the time of her now in her 70s, like singing it with Brandi Carlisle. And I'm just like, this is life. (laughs) This is life. And I just turn into a little puddle and I can't help it. Yeah. Well, especially for a song specifically about perceiving a situation from multiple angles right and then you have that meta textual quality of like her singing as a a child almost right and then as a an old woman it's really yeah it's really powerful yeah it really is yeah so actually i i'm not sure i even knew this until i was looking it up for this recording that the judy collins version actually came out first Joni wrote it and then it was recorded by judy collins and then by Joni after that. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Hmm. But it's been covered by obviously so many incredible people in different styles. Catherine and I were talking before this about the Carly Rae Jepsen cover of it. I'm not sure. I didn't know. This is so exciting. (laughs) Wow. I can, I love Talk about like the poppiest version of this song. It's 
wow. so poppy, yeah. but it's like still, she obviously is, as Carly Jackson fans, we know she still can like pull in the emotion of the lyrics, oh, yeah. even though it's like the danciest, poppiest song you've ever heard. So just listening wow. to that back to back with the Joni Mitchell version was like, wow. Whiplash. <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> multiple different ways to take this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a deep cut. It was on the Curiosity EP, which is where Call Me Maybe comes from before it sort of blew up and then was re-released on her album Kiss. But so, you know, check it out. Oh, I will. I will be running. Scott's our foremost Carly Rae Jepsen scholar. That's that's what I call him. <laughs> yeah. But when, when can we hear a version of you playing this oh, song? Oh, I, you know... Strangely, that thought has never crossed my mind. I think it's just something. I, whenever I cover a song, typically, then I would get sick of it, um, and I don't want that to happen with mm, this one. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think. I don't sense. think I would. But I just love. I love enjoying it and listening to it. So, Joni too has so much like lore around her and her mm-hmm. even beyond the both sides now. The impact that. She's had it all of her ages and all of yeah, her she's eras and everything like that, too. is incredible. She is a force. Yeah, I just... Actually, I wrote um, one of my songs based off of like an interview I read of hers, just about how all of these awesome, talented men were so infatuated and so in love with her and still to this day are. And I'm just like, she's a baddie. <laughs> like, she's just... Yeah. I mean, she steals every heart and is just like the most talented, like... NARP, not a real person, artist. Yeah. Uh, She's just, yeah, definitely on the pedestal for me. I want to go back on the Love Actually side of things, too, because that Uh, film gets a bad rap sometimes. And, like, sure, there's, like, some problems with it, but I still like the film. I still watch it with eyes wide open. Anyway, I think not only was it, like, a needle drop, but also is woven into the plot because he, like, gave her the CDs instead of the jewelry and stuff. So we already know that, right. like, she's she's her favorite artist, but, like, that wasn't what she was hoping for. And so it twists the knife just that much more to be, like, it, it's one thing if we just had a Joni Mitchell needle drop that was really depressing after that happened, but... The fact that it was kind of woven into the plot too just made it that much more heartbreaking, I think, too. Yes. <laughs> well, and it being like the same size, yeah. the CD in the box, and you're like, oh, she's, oh, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's very, that's, it's a very impactful moment of the film. So, yeah, I really, I like that origin story too. I think that's really special. Yeah, there's certainly no shame in like, finding great music through placements in film or TV. Like that's, that's where so many songs get like a new life or get brought into new generations and become part of this canon that we're sort of building here of the greatest songs of all time. You know, things like that really help a song endure and and introduce it to so many people. So it's totally cool. And then there's, you know, Coda, the film from a couple of years ago that won the Oscar also features this song and so like now there's a whole new generation yeah. of people probably hearing that song for the first time from that film so Joni lives on forever and know? ever I understand why she's not on Spotify yeah but uh but it would be, it nice. Would be nice it's a challenge but I understand yeah. I I respect it I say I go queen go off but, but I'm sad 
Yeah. But that's okay. Well, Galen, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about this beautiful song and your incredible new EP uh, and so many other things. If people would like to find you online, listen to your music, where should they go? Gatlin, G-A-T-L-I-N, on Twitter, on Instagram. Well, X, so sorry. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Elon. Um, Instagram, Gatlin. Spotify, Gatlin. You know, TikTok, Gatlin Music. Oh, something different there. But yeah, that's my name. Very nice. Well, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk more soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so fun. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow, it's cloud illusions, I recall. All right. So, Catherine, that was our interview. What did you think? Yeah, I thought that was just such a fun time and made me listen to this Jody song a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Definitely the co- different covers we talked about were really fun, too. I recently re-listened to the Carly Rae Jepsen cover, and that's just still a bop. So, so you know, it's, it is it is a very incredible foundational piece of work that, that a lot of people were able to cover and build on. Yeah, and, and I think Gatlin is just so fun. She has such a great energy. I mean, I hope everyone else had a great time. Yeah. I, I had a great yeah. time talking to her. So. so I did just want to mention one thing, because like we said, this is the third Joni Mitchell song that has been picked on our podcast. Yeah. And so, you know, that's now fairly well represented in our small canon. Yeah. And there's just something that's always like... You know, obviously, I have a huge amount of respect for Joni and especially for all of our guests who have picked her songs. I think all three are great songs and, you know, I love all of our guests. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's just this, well, whatever, I'm sort of beating around the bush. So in the 70s, Joni Mitchell released an album called Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. And on the cover, she appears as a character that she had this guy named Art Nouveau, where she was in drag and also blackface. And, you know, something that she would occasionally do at parties and sometimes in concerts. And it's just, every time someone was picking a Joni Mitchell song, I felt like, you know, I wanted to say something or just, you know, we're a podcast, we're two white people. And I I, want to recognize that other people might have strong negative feelings Mm -hmm. about her because of this. And obviously that's very valid. So I just didn't want to let it not be said. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a a checkered history a little bit of like, she's such a well-respected person and still is today. There's a lot of, you know, people that we respect who work with her a lot too. And it definitely has that tinge of, you know, there is something very prominent in her past that, to my knowledge, has she has not said anything about recently, and yeah, um, it's been tough. I, I looked around at some of the stuff she yeah. said about it, and honestly, it, it, it doesn't make it better. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we're calling and it out. And you know, so much of our podcast is about these personal relationships to right. songs. And so this really is it's in no way meant to be a call out to Galen or to any of yeah. our other guests who picked her song, or anyone listening who has a deep, strong, emotional connection to any Joni Mitchell song because it's totally valid. But I just wanted to, you know, make sure that we acknowledge that other people might uh, feel very differently. Tell us about it. Um, Tag us or DM us on social media about your opinion about 
this song or anything else, we're happy to always hear folks' um, perspectives on the music that we bring up on the podcast and your relationship to it. We always want to hear more from you. So feel free to let us know. Yeah, at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight Song Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or, or email even. Really, wherever. So, mm-hmm. Catherine, thank you so much for helping me produce the show. Yeah. I want to give another shout out to Izzy for help with mixing, to Roger for the podcast art for this season, to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos in Love is our theme music, and to you, the listener, for listening. I hope you're all out there listening to Christmas music <laughs> or, you know, anything <laughs> Or else. holiday music or anything, anything else that all. you like to listen to around this time of year. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Woo. Nice.